So let's start with, to what do you attribute your success? You've been phenomenally successful in tech. You are in the center of Silicon Valley, one of the highest profile tech companies, and you're a high profile Irishman here. I think um, luck is part of it. If I were to sort of break it down into three things, I suppose the first is really finding something that you love doing, right? So there's a saying about if you, if you do something you love, you'll never work another day. Um, and I think that's super important. Um, you also need to be strategic about it. So in my case, you know, I kind of could see how mobile phones and smartphones were going to really take off. You know, this idea that you would have a computer in your pocket, it would be connected to the internet, which would then have uh, data centers, which are really supercomputer clusters. And what it effectively does is put a supercomputer in your pocket. And I was kind of excited about the possibility of this. Um, and so in some ways, I kind of bet on that in my, on my career. Not, not, you know, super explicit, but I, could, I was thinking, you know, this is going to be big. I think I could make an impact here. The second thing I would say is, is you know, find people that are smart and surround yourself with them. But not just smart, but sort of smart, fun, and energetic, right? Because if you're going to have fun, uh, you're going to be more uh, energized. You're going to uh, come to work excited. You're going to get more done. And the third thing I think that, that certainly helped me and I think is – good advice to other people is, is, is you need to be uncomfortable sometimes, right? You need to push yourself. Um, if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not doing it right. And so, you know, one, one phrase I really like is this idea of being uncomfortably excited, right? So you, you've sort of taken something on that may not be quite possible, but you're going to give it a shot. And, you know, there's always a risk of failure, but, but if you succeed, you can make a huge impact. And, and, um, and I think that, you know, seeking out problems and challenges in life that are uncomfortably exciting is, is, is definitely a good formula for success. Right. Is that your phrase? This is a phrase, you know, actually it's a phrase that I've heard uh, originally from Larry Page at Google about being uncomfortably excited. So, so it's, it's gone around a little bit, but it's just something that's resonated with me so, and stuck with me. I'm like, when I heard it, I was like, yes, exactly. Right. Oh. It's just a great way of, cap- you know, it's sort of a pithy fit phrase for capturing uh, that, that idea. Great. And what about the phrase, the luck of the Irish? What does that mean to you? <laughs> and... The luck of the Irish. Um, I think that's like something I see on a placard in a in a in a in a sort of uh, one pound shop. Um, I think uh, you know. I, I do think there's there's an advantage to being Irish, right? And I think it's a cultural advantage mostly. Um, you know, when I think about Irish culture and, and how people carry themselves in business, um, I think I, you know Irish people tend to be a little bit more laid back and don't take themselves as seriously. Um, and yet, there's there's sort of a very strong sense of identity, which brings confidence, right? And so um, you put all that together, and, and I think it, it works very well um, when you're interacting with different people, right, um, from different ethnicities. Uh, you know, being Irish just makes it easier to get on with people. It's kind of a phrase you use in Ireland. Um, so I think that's one thing that, that makes a difference. Um, the other thing I would say, being Irish, I think uh, Irish people are, are, I would say, very resourceful, right, and not afraid to roll up their sleeves. And I think that comes about from the fact that, you know, Ireland's a very small island, right? It's like, you know, six, six and a half million uh, people on the island of Ireland. And so you just naturally don't get that much specialization with that smaller population. So everybody does a little bit of everything, right? Like, just, you know, compared to a, a bigger country like the U.S. Um, and I think that just lends itself to a culture then that just sort of gets up and does things and just resourceful and, and can improvise, right? And then when you translate that into the business world or the technical world, um, it's just a very useful skill to have. It's like, okay, here's a problem I've never seen before. You know, I'll just wing it. I'll figure this thing out. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's just a trait of being Irish that, that, that uh, it's subtle, but I think it, it, it certainly helped me. 
And when you're networking or seeking teams, do you play the Irish card? <laughs> the Irish card. You know, the problem I have is that my accent is getting corrupted. Um, it, it, people used to say it was mid-Atlantic, which I think was an apologetic phrase for saying that it's sort of been diluted. Now they're like, are you Irish? Um, so I'm not sure my card is, is as strong as it used to be. Um, but, you know, I think it's – I think the card is, is more just a perspective, right? Like you, you, you have, a, have a sort of different perspective – coming from a little island on the side of the Atlantic and sort of looking out at the world. Um, and, and in some ways, maybe you have a broader perspective, right? Because you're looking around the world and you're kind of wondering, well, you know, how, you know what is it like to be an American? Or what is it like to be Japanese? And, 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 um, and so I feel like it's a broader perspective uh, is the card that I'm playing, if, I, if, if that makes sense. Um, other than that, you know, I think it's, it's you know, there's, there's definitely anecdotes that, you know, life in Ireland is different from other countries, and you can bring that in, and it becomes a conversation starter. I mean, it's a nice advantage. Um, we do have a very effective capability of, of being able to consume alcohol and, and remain coherent, which is also a skill, but uh, <laughs> uh, I try not to overuse that one. <laughs> right. Do you use it? Have you used it? Uh, I mean, I, I, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, good. Okay, and I want to kind of explore the magic of Silicon Valley. I interviewed uh, Owen McCabe from Mm -hmm. Intercom. I don't know if you know him through the the, um, connections here. But um, he talked about kind of finding his people here, and it wasn't necessarily Irish people. It was his people. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Do you think there is kind of a magic and an open-mindedness or special qualities of people in Silicon Valley that makes you thrive here? Yeah, you know, I think I think about when I was a kid. I, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an engineer because to me, an engineer was sort of synonymous with being an, an inventor, and I wanted to invent. Um, and you know, I would just spend countless hours building crazy machines and robots, and you know, programming computers. And there were very few people around me that were into the same thing, right? That I could bounce off or buzz off. And I think, you know, coming to Silicon Valley, you suddenly realize, wow, there's all these people who are just like me. They like, you know, tinkering and making things. And, um, and, and I think that's very attractive. I think, you know, um, you know people, like-minded people are attracted to each other, right? You know, you, you, you kind of seek out other people that have the same interests as you. Um, and I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is that uh, for a lot of people um, that I work with, you know, that what gets them out of bed in the morning is, is this idea of making an impact in the world, right? Like, hey, can we invent something and change the way something's done and actually help people? Um, and it's not like, you know, it, it help people sounds like a little bit too grandiose. I mean, there's, that's definitely an element. It's also just like, can we just change things? Like, you know, can we be smart enough that we can make a contribution, right? And there's just something very satisfying to that. Um, and so, you know, when I look at the people that I work best with and I'm surrounded with, they have that same kind of ethos. They're not in here to make money. They're in here to make an impact, right? Um, and um, and they have high energy and they're smart and they you know they, they get a kick out of solving you know complicated problems and it's not just solving a problem it's also creatively coming up with new uh, solutions and even creatively coming up with new problems to solve uh, um, and so uh, you know that's the kind of people that that sort of has drawn me to Silicon Valley right to me it's, it's sort of been a gravitational pull it's like like where are all these people who are like inventing all these things I'm I, I'm amazed by and like oh they're over here. Um, and that's sort of what's drawn me here. 
Great. And can you talk about your team? How big is your team? And talk about the multiculturalism, because I think there's a lot of people in yeah. London or in Africa or wherever listening on the World Service, they're not quite aware of just how multicultural it is. Can you kind of give us a broad brush of, and you know, name some of the nationalities in your team? I mean, it's yeah. pretty amazing, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so my team's about, uh, it's about a thousand people uh, in that order, uh, and some of the best engineers in the world. I mean, my, my day job is basically faking it until they find out that I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Uh, but until I do that, I'm having a, the ride of my life. Uh, but no, so, so we have super smart people uh, from all around the world. I mean, you know, one funny anecdote, we, we have teams, the core of my team is in, in Mountain View, California. Uh, we also have a large team in London. Um, and I remember when I was in London, the Queen was coming to visit. And uh, we were sort of preparing for it, and uh, and one of the organizers was like, okay, so we'd like the Queen to meet uh, two English people. So who will we get? And we're like, uh... Do we have any English people here? Uh, and, yeah, yeah. So we so we found we found someone um, from Nigeria, and we're like, "You'll do." Uh, and then we found someone from South Africa, we're like, "You'll do." Uh, and, and and it was just like that's that is the team that we have people from everywhere. You know, whether it's South America or it's from uh, it's from Nigeria, as I mentioned. If it's from Australia, from Ireland, from England. I mean, it's literally uh, every country you name it. Um, we have people. Um, and it's just a very diverse bunch. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's obviously, I think, I would say even London's more diverse than the U.S. in some respects. I think there's a bigger pool uh, of diversity in London. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, we're not really, you know, again, in, even in California, there's not that many people I know who grew up and were born on the west coast of California. Even the Americans that work on my team, you know, they come from all across the, 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 the country. Right. And do you seek out other Irish people to either work with or socialize with? You know, say so you're interviewing a bunch of people. Is being Irish, is that like a plus for you? Oh, that's a great question. Is it a plus? I think, um, I mean, culturally, it's, 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 it's very easy if there's an Irish person. You, can, you just click, right? It's so simple. Um, we have some, you know, really pretty amazing senior people uh, who are Irish in, in Google. Uh, David Singleton is one of the VPs who oversees Android Wear, for example. He's from originally from Northern Ireland. And uh, uh, actually the head of marketing at Google, uh, Lorraine Tuholz, is originally from uh, Carlo. Um, so we do have, you know, there's a, there's a small uh, but serious Irish mafia around here. Uh, um, but, you know, I don't know that I would sort of seek them out. Again, it's, it's more we're looking for not really the... the the country culture, but this sort of the, the outlook and perspective culture, right? That sort of energy and that interest in making an impact and being smart. And um, they're the attributes we're looking for more than where they're from. If they're, you know, if they happen to be Irish, then great, you know, from my perspective, it's a bonus, but, but um, it's not the first uh, attribute we look for. Right. And some people are talking, you know, we're in this global trend of nationalism is up, anti-globalization. Would you say that you that um, Silicon Valley is kind of this post-nationalist utopia? <laughs> I would like to say it's pre-nationalist as well. Um, hopefully, it's pre and post. Yeah, I think I think people in Silicon Valley find it very hard to understand this sort of nationalistic viewpoint. Um, and and you know, and part of the, the fact that they find it hard is also a problem, right? Like, I think people need to again coming back to that perspective. I think they need to have a broader perspective about you know life in different parts of the U.S. Right? They need to understand there are very genuine issues and challenges that other people have outside of Silicon Valley, right? And that 
promotes this sort of nationalistic uh, idea. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, generally Silicon Valley is very liberal and sort of very forward-looking. Nationalism in, in this sort of view is, looks very backward, right? Um, and it looks sort of uh, unsustainable in, in some respects. It's frightening, <laughs> and, it, and, and it may sustain for a few years, but long-term seems like unsustainable. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, it, it's a tough, to- tough topic of conversation because it, it doesn't readily compute with people. They're like, I don't understand this. Why would you, you know, why wouldn't you be open? Why wouldn't you be open to new ideas and people? It's just, it's a little confusing for some people. Do you have sympathy for nostalgia, though? Do you look back and miss things from the old life in Dublin? I... I mean, I love going back to Ireland. I, I go at least once or twice a year. My kids love going to Ireland. They, they tell me, it's like, Dada, I like the rain. I'm like, what? Uh, how could you like the rain? But, you know, they love going back and, and seeing their, you know, extended family, and I love going back and seeing my friends. Um, and so it's just, nice. again, it kind of comes down to that thing, having an identity and having that connection is awesome. Um, you know, nostalgia, I don't know. I, I have, like, geek nostalgia. I found a picture. This is so weird. I found a picture yesterday because I was looking something up of the circuit board for a Sinclair ZX Spectrum. It's like a super old computer from the 80s. And I saw it, and I just, it brought back so many memories. I could, and it was bizarre to me. I could remember the position of every single microchip on the board. I had this when I was seven, and I was like, oh, my God. I like this, this is what geeks do, by the way. You just, like, obsess about weird <laughs> things. This interview is going to take a hard left turn to Nerd 10 in a minute. Um, but, yeah, so, so, you know, I have, like, nostalgia for, for technology in, in some respects, you know, because it was early days. I mean, it's kind of amazing to see where things have gone today. Um, like, w- w- the second computer I had as a kid was something called a BBC Micro, and it was um, kind of an amazing story. It was, it was a computer that was commissioned from a BBC program on computer literacy in the early 80s. And it was built by a, com- a company called Acorn in, uh, I think it was in Cambridge. Um, and if you mention the BBC Micro in the UK, everyone's like, oh, you know, people of my age <laughs> will remember it. But, but in the US, nobody knows what it is. But what they don't realize in the US is that they actually have been impacted by it because Acorn eventually spun out a company called Arm, uh, which basically designs the CPUs that are on every single smartphone of the world. And in fact, the Arm pro- original CPU uh, was designed on a BBC Micro. And so, you know, I have a little bit of nostalgia for computers like that. And then, of course, in, here in Manavia, we're near the Computer History Museum, and you can go back and see, you know, all the sort of steps that have got to where we are today. Um, and it's just amazing to see the, the progress in technology and the creativity that goes into it. Um, we take it for granted now, you know, your phone can do so much, but, uh, you know, this has been sweat and tears of engineers for decades to pull it together. And getting you back off the tech thing yeah. again, because there are some questions I need to answer, and we'll get back to the tech. Um, how do you feel, you know, on St. Patrick's Day, almost everyone claims to be Irish. How do you feel about that? Do you feel <laughs> a bit territorial? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, a lot of people claim to be Irish. I, d- I don't mind it. I think it's, it's kind of nice. Uh, I think it's cool. Um, I have, uh, you know, I was, I was visiting Ireland a couple of years ago, and somebody, uh, she was from Kerry, and she was like, you're not Irish. And I was like, I am, I am Irish. And she's like, you're not. And I was like, I am. And she's like, okay, well, then answer these three questions. And she asked me these three questions, um, which only a first-generation Irish person can, can answer. And, and they're really simple questions. And, and if you're Irish, you'll get this. So the first question is, who's Bosco? Bosco is this red-haired pu- puppet that you would only have seen on Irish TV. The second is, uh, who is Glenn Hansard? And Glenn Hansard is a singer who was in the frames originally that every Irish person knows. And the third question, this is the brilliant question, is who is Jason Sherlock? And Jason Sherlock was a Gaelic football 
football player that played for Dublin, and he was most notable for being a great sportsman, but also because all the girls fancied him because he was Asian, and he looked different to the rest of the Irish people. But if you can answer those three questions, that's how you differentiate a first-generation and a second-generation Irish. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think, I think it's, it, it's, it's nice to have people celebrate your country. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Right. So you don't feel that same way as that woman in the pub, you know, who's, who's kind of, I mean, she sounds like a bit territorial, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're stealing my, yeah, no, I don't. I think it's great. I think, uh, I think, you know, having other people celebrate and, um, Irishness and wanting to, to have an identity close to that, I think that's wonderful. Um, you know, it's kind of amazing if you look at American Irish through the generations. I mean, the diaspora is incredible and, you know, Everyone from Joe Biden to like Jack Dorsey of Twitter. I mean, there's there's uh, there's a lot of people that have sort of Irish lineage, um, and you know, I think it's just something to be celebrated and be proud of. Right. And um, tell me about um, you know you've been phenomenally successful here. You came out what 2007, so not that long ago. But do you think you could have been as successful if you'd stayed in Ireland? Um, I think it's a great question. I. You know, I had a startup in Ireland before this, um, and, I mean, it was a fantastic um, experience. I found that, you know, again, it was sort of just gravitation pulled towards Silicon Valley. Like, a lot of uh, the work we were doing was centered here, and I would find myself traveling here more and more. Um, I think Silicon Valley is a very unique place because you have this high concentration of technology and skills and expertise. Um, if you look around the world, there's a lot of places, a lot of cities trying to replicate that sort of magic formula um, and so, it, you know, I think it, it, it speaks more to Silicon Valley than it does uh, of Ireland that, 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 it, that I think I've been more successful here. It's just there's more uh, concentration of, of technology and opportunities here. You know, that's not to say that I think Ireland has really come along, along since I had a startup, which was early 2000. Um, I think there's a lot, more, a lot more vibrant scene in Dublin. There's a lot more expertise. There's a lot more mentorship. Um, and that's a critical thing is mentorship. You know, if you're a, a young founder, you want to, you, you know, you've got a lot to learn and you can either learn it on the job by making mistakes or you can have some guidance from someone who's done it before and help you along. And I think, uh, you know, I'm starting to see that in Dublin. Um, uh, and, you know, my hope is that continues to grow and, and uh, that there's, you know, more and more technology in, in Dublin. Um, and, and the rest of Ireland, for that matter. Uh, so is it just a scale thing, would you say? Or are there parts, elements that are missing from this vital Silicon Valley ecosystem that are missing from Ireland and the UK? I think it's a scale thing. And there's also like a virtuous circle, right? Like you, you have people, they, do, they create startups, and you, you, you know, startups exit, successful startups exit in two ways. You, you either IPO, which is fairly rare, and you, you, know, you become part of the, uh, the stock market, or you become a public company, or you get acquired by a larger company. And typically what happens is a small company gets acquired by a large company, uh, staff will work for the big company, and eventually, as maybe a small subsection of that one might do it again. Right? So a lot of entrepreneurs pro, pro, entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs; they want to do this over and over, and you cre- it creates a sort of virtuous circle. Um, and you have that in Silicon Valley, right? And you're starting to see that in Dublin, right? Uh, but it's it does it hasn't sort of hit critical mass yet. Um, and so you have to sort of create that ecology, um, if you like. Um, of startups and, and acquirers um, um, to hit that critical mass and have all the different opportunities that you do here. Right. And looking to the future, um, dream big with me. Where do you see, what are your personal goals or business goals for the future, you know, 10, 20 years from now? I think that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I, 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 I feel like I'm on the right track. Uh, you know, the, the impact that we make here is is just mind-boggling and humbling if you, you know, 
you know, we're literally billions of devices running our software and, and we get to, you know, effectively invent the future for a lot of people. And it's just an incredible, incredible impact um, to be able to make. And, um, you know, going forward, I just, you know, I think the, the, you know, the big hot area that you'll hear people talk about is deep learning, um, this idea of using what's a, what's a very sort of coarse model of how the human brain works using neural networks, but applying lots of data to that, you can make machines um, do incredible things that, that once were taught, you know, out of the realm of, of, of computers. Um, you know, a really simple ex- example, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I go into Google Photos. Uh, I've never told Google Photos uh, anything about people, but it's learned that I, uh, this person seems to be interest- important to me, and cl- it's clustered all those photos together. And I can literally scroll back in time from her current age of two-and-a-half right back to the very first photo we took when she was 30 seconds old. And this is through, you know, machine learning. It's it, The computers have learned the patterns and... Uh, been able to identify this stuff. And so I think that the, the potential for deep learning and for AI really to make our lives easier, you know, having computers be more helpful to us, uh, you know, be assistance uh, is very exciting. And I think it's going to have a very high impact. Um, and, you know, I feel very grateful that I'm in a place where I can contribute to that and, um, uh, and have fun doing so. Right. And do you share Elon Musk's worry about the uh, the crisis of, you know, AI and the robots, you know, the apocalyptic crisis? I you know, I think it it it's uh it it definitely makes for an exciting discussion. I think, you know, all technology um advances in a very nonlinear fashion, right? Um, you know, we're all very excited about deep learning right now, but these ideas have been around for quite a while. They used to be called artificial neural networks, and then we lost interest in them because they weren't very effective. And, you know, recently it's had a resurgence because, you know, we've got larger data, we've got new topologies, and, and we're getting some really amazing results. And I think you'll continue over the next couple of years to see this really, you know, sort of, you know, fast spurt. But if you look historically, you know, it's not it's not a linear or exponential path to, like, to the end goal, and I think this, you know, this idea of a, an apocalyptic end to the world, all a Terminator. I think that's a, even if it was possible, technology-wise, it's a very long way away. Um, B is, I think it's, uh, I think it's over, uh, over dramatized, um, uh, is is my view of it. Um, you know, I think you know, we, you know, it is true that machines are going to get far more intelligent. And I laugh at my at my five year old going, "Hey, you're never going to learn to drive." They're like, "No, Dad, I want to learn to drive." I'm like, "No, because by the time you're you're 16 or 18, well, all the cars will be self driving. Why would you learn to drive?" Um, and 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 there's a kind of almost a, you could almost take a sort of a, a negative attitude to that, going, "Well, computers are going to replace life." But actually, what happens is is we specialize, and and, and what's going to be important for humans is how well do you work with with computers, because we are going to be we already are augmented by machines, right? Um, I didn't walk to work here today. I went in a car, um, and and I think you know a lot of what will happen is we'll just adapt, and and uh, you know you know. It will be important to be able to work well with machines, and we're already seeing earlier parts of that today. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just take a more optimistic view of it. I do think. I mean, I do think we need to be responsible with, with, with technology. I think that's very important. But I think it can be a little over dramatized. Right. Okay. And going back to kind of cultural thing, what are your plans for next Friday? How will you celebrate? Do you do the whole traditional meal or what? Yeah, Guinness. Guinness, yeah, meal of Guinness. Um, what are we doing? Well, uh, we have a. We actually there's an Irish Silicon Valley event on, which I think I'm going to on Thursday. 
Um, so, so that'll be good. So we get to get, hang around with my uh, my like-minded uh, uh, cultural brethren. Um, Is that a San Francisco event? Uh, yeah, it's actually in Stanford. Oh. Um, so they have a technology group that, that meets up once a year. Uh, actually, the, the Tornista, who's the deputy prime minister, is coming out to speak, so that's kind of cool. So I'll be able to connect with, with um, a lot of Irish people. And then usually we bring the kids to you know St. Patrick's Day Parade. They have a pretty cool parade in San Francisco. Uh, I dress them up in green, and uh, you know they they take pride in that too. So you take the day off then? Uh, well, no. Well, I think the parade is on the weekend, so I'll probably do, yeah, I'll probably do that. I, it's kind of more fun to come into work and wear something green. Uh, today, of course, I'm wearing red because it's, it's uh, International Women's Day. So that, so uh, so it's red today, green next week. Got to get your colors right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, in a way, it's sort of kind of fun to come into work and celebrate it too with colleagues. So right, and, and any special events going on here at Google? I don't. That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. And if there's not, there should be. And if there's, and I should be involved in it. This is this is a good point. I know. They'll, you know, they'll probably. We have like this amazing cafes all across the campus. So they'll probably have like green milkshakes and whatnot. Um, so, not that I've ever had a nice green milkshake, but you know, the idea is nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's there'll be little perks and little things going on around the, around the campus. Right. And do you keep it kind of magical at home, you know, talk about leprechauns and all that with your kids? Because <laughs> I understand you get, what, three kids under seven, right? Yeah, you three gotta... kids under seven. You know, we don't really talk about leprechauns. Our current thing that we're doing right now is we're building a robotic lemonade stand. <laughs> so it's a very American thing to build a lemonade stand. So, so uh, you know, I was like, okay, let's do that. So we've been de- down to Home Depot, which is the hardware store. But then we wanted a twist because it is Silicon Valley. So we're going to make one that works with it. Actually, a robot makes your lemonade for you. Um, so it's not very Irish, but uh, it's definitely Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> so that's, and is your aim to make kind of little entrepreneurs of your kids already? My, my kids are – they're just – they're kind of – it's obviously genetic because they just want to invent things. I haven't forced it on them. They're just like, oh, Dada, I want to make this. Actually, the, the robotic lemonade stand is, is phase one. They want it to be a flying robotic lemonade stand, and I'm trying not to like burst their bubble. Going, you know, flying's kind of hard, and the FAA would get involved, and you know, but as uh, so you're trying to keep them excited, um, but yeah, they they uh, they're very excited by the idea. They've been sort of deciding whether they should charge more or charge less if the lemonade is made by a robot. Uh, of course, it's very topical right now. Do you tax robots? Um, so uh, we're still figuring that out, but uh, I feel pretty optimistic we're going to be able to build this robotic lemonade stand. I mean, I would definitely stop by a lemonade stand if it was a robot making it, wouldn't you? I, 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 so we may, not make, we may not be able to charge more, but I think we'll be able to attract more customers. Yeah. Definitely. I think there's a story there for the BBC. Uh, what about your wife? Is she a techie? Uh, yeah, my wife was originally uh, a software engineer, um, and then she uh, studied architecture, uh, interior architecture. Um, so she's uh, she's sort of in, in the two worlds. Um, uh, she she's definitely technical. She's not she's definitely not as nerdy as I am, uh, uh, but she definitely appreciates technology, and uh, you know it's great for the, the kids because um, you know she gets excited by them getting excited about technology and. Um, so that works out pretty well, uh, and but you know it's it's uh, I'm kind of glad she's not too nerdy because you know at a certain point I need to stop talking about technology and be a normal person once in a while. So uh, that's healthy too. So she balances. She balances. So as far as getting excited, I mean, is, is am I right in thinking Pixel is your main product that you're excited about at Google? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think of my team as having really three outputs. Uh, the first is something we call the device ecosystem. So we build an operating system that the majority of smartphones in the world take and use. Um, and operating systems are kind of like the ultimate computer program. They're basically it's a computer program that runs other computer programs. Uh, the, 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 the sort of casual nomenclature for a computer program today is a nap. So we build the, the system that runs the apps, right? Um, so that's the first part. Uh, the second sort of um, customer of what we do is we call it the developer ecosystem. So that is the app developers themselves. And so we create tools to make it easy for you know WhatsApp to build an app or Facebook to build an app or uh, or uh, Twitter to build an app. Um, and then the third part of what we do is Pixel. And Pixel is really taking Android, the operating system, um, and then integrating it vertically with hardware. Um, and that's really important because, you know, software pushes the hardware and hardware pushes the software. And to advance the operating system, you need to have them working really closely together. And the other thing that Pixel does for us is it, it allows Google to have its own product, right? You know, there's a lot of really amazing Android phones out there from Samsung, from Huawei, from HTC to Motorola, Sony and beyond. But but it's also nice for Google to be able to give its take on a phone. You know, what should a phone from Google do versus a phone from Samsung? Um, and that's what the Pixel lets us do. Uh, it's a, if you're a Google user, this is the ideal phone for you. Right. And there are rumors in the press that there's a new one coming out. Can you talk on that? A new one? Impossible. Why would we do that? The first, the first one was so good. Uh, you know, technology moves very fast. I mean, you know, the cadence... Uh, typically, you know, if you look around, it's no surprise that every year you try to do something new and exciting. Uh, I can either confirm or deny rumors that there will be another Pixel, uh, but we are uh, very busy for some reason working on a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, we have a lot of great ideas. Um, you know, we were pretty happy with the result of the Pixel, and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, the reviews have been great, and people really love it. Um, but for me, and, and sort of what gets me excited about the job, is that I just see the potential for so much more uh, in terms of, you know, innovation in terms of product quality, and and, um, and the, you know the, the the opportunities are so huge. So I'm just every year I'm excited to do more, um, and uh, yeah, it's, we'll have to wait and see what happens later in the year. Great. Anything else, Dave? I haven't asked you about that you feel you want in this story. I think this is great. This is great. Uh, you covered a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of bases. Yeah, we did. So we did. Great. Okay.